Good morning, Crosspoint. You may have a seat. So great to see you and so great to hear you. It's always a blessing to hear a group of believers singing unto the Lord these beautiful songs and saying to our God that he is worthy because he's so great. Let me mention a couple of things. First of all, welcome. I don't know about you, but Sundays seem to come by really fast. But that's a good thing. I'm really happy about that. Uh, I would definitely say that Sundays are the fa- my favorite day of the week. I enjoy seeing you. I enjoy fellowshipping with you, worshiping with you, and spending time in the Word with you. And so, thank you for being here. We're, we're glad to have you. For those joining us online, we're really grateful to have you join us. And I know there's, when we say those of you online, there are some of you that are maybe even in different countries. There are some of you that are in different states. And there are some of you that are right around the corner. And so we want to just encourage you as much as possible, uh, encourage you to join us. Uh, There's something special about us getting together. There's something special about us lifting up our voices together. There's something special about seeing each other, uh, fist pumping or whatever your comfort level is at right now, uh, saying hi to one another, just kind of touching base once a week. And so, obviously, for those of you that, that it, it's physically impossible or very difficult to be here, we're not necessarily talking about you. But those of you that are fairly local, we would love to encourage you to join us and just be part of our Sunday morning worship service. Uh, just know that we miss you and we would love to have you here. All right. This morning, I'm also very happy because we have a baptism happening in just a little bit, right? So Michelle will be getting baptized this morning. We're happy about that. We're grateful to the Lord that we continue to see him doing his work in us and through us. And so anytime somebody is publicly declaring their faith in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, it's definitely something to to celebrate and recognize and rejoice with. So um, after this English service, we will head on over to our other building where the baptistry is, and we'll uh, perform that baptism. And I'll just say really quick, if for those of you that have never been baptized, I don't know who you are, but you do. just want to encourage you. And uh, maybe I don't want to encourage you necessarily to get baptized. I want to encourage you to really ask why you haven't, and perhaps, perhaps ask um, not only why you haven't, but um, why you should, why you should. And putting it simple, if you know that God has done a saving work in your life, if you know that you were once lost and now you're found, if you've in the past have recognized your unworthiness and your desperate need of a Savior and you understand that Jesus is the only one and you've accepted his gift of salvation based on what he did at the cross for you and you've seen that new life in you, then there's no reason why you shouldn't be baptized. All right, we have shorts and t-shirts here for you, uh, so there's, there's no excuse. You don't need anything uh, special other than knowing that God has done that work in your life and you want to publicly recognize that and proclaim that to the world that you are a follower of Christ. And so we're excited every time anytime anybody decides to take that step of obedience. Um, so we'll be doing that today. Know that... Um, Next week, really excited about this, October 31st, that's in seven days, we're going to have our lunch with the leaders or meet the leaders lunch. And that is anybody who's been here, I don't know, maybe six months or so at our church and you've stuck around, all right? 
and you've stuck around and you've, you're either thinking like this is for sure the church that God wants me in or you're thinking like I think this might be the church that God wants me in and you're, you're coming, you're hearing the word, you're getting to know people, maybe you're getting plugged in. Um, we would love to spend that time with you this coming Sunday. So do us a favor, sign up. Uh, let us know you're coming so that we could make proper arrangements, but we're really looking forward to it. Just so you know, there could be as many as 40 people in that lunch. Right now we have about 23 people signed up, uh, and I know there's several of you out there that have not yet signed up. Anybody maybe online that has been joining us for the last six months or a year or so, and maybe you've only been here a couple of times, we would love to have you for that lunch. Maybe uh, lunch will do the trick. Ah, just kidding. Well, I'm sure we'll have something yummy, but uh, the idea is for us to just spend a little bit of time together, get to know each other, and um, hopefully encourage you to continue on your walk with the Lord here at Cross Point. In about, uh, what is that, three weeks, November 14th, we're going to have a special combined bilingual service. Some of you have never been in one of those, but uh, obviously we have a Spanish service that happens here at 10.30 a.m. every week. I also preach there, same sermon. Um, and. Um, and every once in a while, on a special occasion, we like to join the groups. That group on a, on a normal Sunday is probably maybe 30, could be as many as 50, could be as little as 20 people. Uh, but I think it would be really awesome to, we're going to bring out all the chairs on that day. All right? We're going to bring out all the chairs, maybe expand things a little bit, make sure we all fit. But uh, we could easily fill up uh, the space that we have here. First 200 people, that's what we're saying, first 200 people are going to get a Crosspoint t-shirt, the new one, the new uh, Crosspoint t-shirt. And so you want to be here on time. You want to be here early so that you can find your size. If you have like a super special size, like an extra, extra, extra tiny small or something like that, let me know so we make sure we get that done for you. And um, that's it. So bilingual service. Um, it'll be one service at 1030 a.m. So some of you that have uh, growth groups or anything like that, we could make arrangements to kind of swap the times and uh, we, should be, we should be okay for this one time. All right. Um, we hope, we hope you join us. And this will be a great time for you, those of you online. We're not picking on our onlineers. We're just saying this will be a great time for you to join us on the 14th of November. And it is our seventh anniversary as Crosspoint. Uh, and I think that's, that's worthy of recognizing and expressing our gratitude to God. And we, we want to do that together. Any questions, see me about that or any one of the elders. <clears throat> That's it for announcements. So as you walked in, you should have gotten one of these. Uh, and this is the, these are the elements that we use to take communion. And so if you didn't, uh, why don't you raise your hand and we'll have Jason come around and, and provide you one. So you can take communion with us if uh, you choose to. And I want to share with you Philippians chapter 2. Part of the reason is today I'm going to preach on or from Ephesians. That's part of our reading as growth groups. We're reading one chapter a day. And uh, we, would have, we should have read Ephesians and then now Philipp we get into Philippians and Philemon this week. And so I want to share from Philippians in order for us to get ready to take communion here together. Philippians chapter 2. I really want to make emphasis on verse 8, but man, verses 1 through 9 are, are awesome. And so I'm going to read that because, um, and actually this reading has a lot to do with what the sermon is going to be about. The sermon this morning or the message is called Church Growth. Church Growth. And so here in Philippians chapter 2 verses 1 through 9, it's going to speak to that but I want to make emphasis on verse 8, which speaks of the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ. So I'm going to read Philippians 1, sorry, Philippians 2, verses 1 through 9. It says, Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, 
if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for your own interests, but also for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. It's one of my favorite portions of Scripture. But verse 8 says, talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, and the context here is, Paul is asking us to consider Jesus as our example, and he says, and being found in appearance as a man, so Jesus was God. And he never stopped being God, but he humbled himself and he clothed himself with a human body. And though he was perfectly 100% God, he was 100% man. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. There's several sermons and messages here, but I just want to say for us to be able to consider that we are able to gather, we are able to celebrate, we're able to proclaim what Jesus did for us, and we understand that he did that out of this humility that I believe we cannot comprehend. I mean, think about the humblest thing you've ever done. And it's probably a good one, it's probably a good story. But what our Lord Jesus Christ, being the creator, eternal, holy God, becoming a man, we can't understand the humility that that required. But he did. He humbled himself, and he became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. And so, as you peel back the first layer here, you take the unleavened bread that symbolizes the body of our Lord Jesus Christ that hung naked on the cross of Calvary some 2,000 years ago, and it was lifted up for everyone to see. He humbled himself even to the point of death in order that he would take your place and mine at the cross. Let's take that together. As you peel back the second layer, then reveal the juice. This symbolizes the blood that was shed on our behalf. The life is in the blood and so when Jesus shed his blood, he shed his life. He gave up his life, which was the payment for our very sin. And through the shedding of the blood, there is remission of sins. There is forgiveness of sins. And in that, we rejoice, knowing that our sins have been forgiven. And we have a perfect standing before a perfect and holy God. It is the only way, beloved, that we can have anything to do with the perfect and holy God of the Bible. This blood that was shed on our behalf. Let's take that together. 
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful to you for this beautiful morning. Thank you for allowing us to gather in this manner, uh, to be able to lift up our voices, joining them, and, and just proclaiming how great you are. We're grateful for all that you've done for us, but especially what you did in giving up your only son in order that he would die a painful and shameful death on the cross of Calvary on our behalf. We are forever grateful. We thank you for allowing us this opportunity. Thank you for those who are here, for those joining us online, and for those who will be watching this video later, this message. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will continue to do your awesome work of redemption in all of our lives. We pray for your guidance and help. We pray in Jesus' wonderful and mighty name. Amen. All right, we're going to have a couple of brothers come by and take your, your empty containers. No need to get creative in hiding them in the chairs. When we put those away, we're always like, how did they do that? They took surgical skill to put that in there. All right. If you have a Bible, we're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16 with this message titled, Church Growth. Beloved, we should all be concerned about church growth. And by church growth, I'm not necessarily talking about here at Crosspoint, although obviously we want to grow. I believe a healthy, vital church will inevitably, naturally grow. And that's why for me, next, uh, next week's lunch, where we're going to have you know, anywhere, anywhere between 20 and 30, 40 people, these are new people that God is adding to our local congregation. And some of you, some of these people are people that, are, that come from other churches and maybe you already had a relationship with Christ and, and we welcome you and hope that you find here a place where you can be discipled and encouraged and supported in whatever is going on in your life as we all move forward towards Christ-likeness. But some of you also are, are kind of brand new to the faith, to the walk, and somebody invited you to church. And maybe you came from a church where things were a little weird, you know, I get a lot of that. Uh, and I'm sure we're a little weird as well, right? You guys all realize that you're all a little weird, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're all a little weird. Of course, none of us really realize that. But uh, I'm sure as a congregation, we have our kinks and our weirdnesses and stuff like that. And, uh, and we want to be the church that God wants us to be. But here at Crosspoint, we're all about being disciples of Jesus Christ, taking Him serious, our relationship with Him serious, His Word serious, being doers of the Word, and then sharing God's Word and making disciples that will in turn make other disciples. And it's always a blessing when we have a new person that comes, sticks around, and then they start bringing new people. And that's the way it's supposed to be. Beloved, we're all supposed to be about making disciples. That's not the pastor's job or the deacon's job or the elder's job. That's all of our jobs and privilege to be able to share the gospel with other people and get involved in people's lives and disciple them. We all need to be about that. So church growth. Um, let me share a key verse from that portion, which is verse 16. Listen to what it says. This is Paul speaking. He says, from whom the whole body, speaking of Jesus, right? From whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. In short, when all of us do the part that God has set before us to do, that is what causes growth in the church. And be careful that you don't buy into the lies of the enemy that says like, you know, in that church, if the pastor was just a little funnier, I bet you more people would come. And if the band was just a little bit fill in the blank, well, I bet you people will come. 
And if we started giving away whatever, people, no, people will come, and God does the work, but he chooses to use us. People will come when you bring them. When you bring them. When you go out in prayer and humility, looking for people that God has put in your life to disciple them, to share the good news of salvation, and to tell them what God has done in your life. That is when we grow. There's no magical portion, potion, or, you know, it's, it's what God has said, his great commission. The great commandment is to love God and love others, and out of that love for God and others, we obey the great commission, which is to go out and make disciples of all nations. All of us, all the time. And we don't have to feel guilty about it. We don't have to feel anything other than privileged, along with a sense of responsibility, to go out and just say, Lord, get on our knees and say, Lord, who do you want me to tell about you? And we get in the word, and we are disciples. We read, we're in prayer, we're in fellowship, but we make ourselves available to God and say, Lord, I want to see our Cross Point local church grow, but I want to see the, the universal church grow. And so we're involved in, in missions like in India and, and Mexico and Sanada, like uh, Joanne and, and David spoke to us about not that long ago, and, and other local ministries because we want to do what God has us here to do. But we all have a part in that. And so main point this morning, when every member does its part, the church grows, and get this, for God's glory. In case we, we forget, like, why do we want to grow? Like, why do we need, why do we want 500 people here, 1,000 people, or 10,000 people here? Just to have 10,000 people here and be able to say, like, our church has grown. Beloved, like, I don't know about you, but when we have 40 new people in six months, that's a lot of people to disciple. And no one person is going to do that work. It's going to require a lot of us to get involved. All right? So, when every member does its part, the church grows for God's glory. So let me read to you Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16, and keep that in mind. Church growth, and then the main point is that when every member does its part, the church grows for God's glory. And when I say every member, I mean every member. And the... My pastor used to say, uh, you know what every, every member means? It means every member. And in the Greek, it means every member. And if you want to go back to the original Hebrew, it's every member, without exception. And I need to say that because the enemy, beloved, will tell you that it's every member except you. That the church can grow as long as Mike and other people do their work. And if I'm not quite doing what God asks me to do, it's still going to be okay. It's not. It's not. It's when every member does its share, the body grows. We're all different members. We're individually members of one another, and we're one body, and we need everyone to do its part. Now, I don't know what your part is, but we're here to help. Maybe your part, and we're going to talk about this. Let me not get ahead of myself. Let me read Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. Here it goes. This is Paul writing. Uh, we went through Ephesians not that long ago. We talked about how Ephesians 1 through 3 is heavy on doctrine, on teaching. And then starting in chapter 4, he moves on to application. 
So he says, this is who we are in Christ. This is what God has done for us. Now, starting in chapter 4, all the way to chapter 6, it's like, okay, now that you know that, this is what all that knowledge needs to look like in your life and in the church. And here we go. It says, starting in verse 11, all the way through 16. It says, and he himself, Jesus, he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, until we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. A lot of stuff right there. So let me break it down. I'm going to share three points with you in these next 28 minutes. We'll try to end even before then. So we're talking about church growth. We realize that the church needs to grow, that as we do our part and we obey the great uh, commandment and the great commission, the church will grow. As we love God and we love other people and we're obedient to what he's asked us to do, the church will grow. We don't have to worry about the growth. My pastor used to always say, you worry about the quality and God will take care of the quantity. I truly believe that. We don't want to worry about the quantity especially if we forget about the quality. We're going to worry about the quality. We're going to worry about us being disciples and making disciples of Christ, grounded in the Word of God. And as a result, God will take care of the increase. And we're going to see that also in, our, in a couple of verses that I have here that I want to share with you in just a little bit. So let's talk about church growth. And the three points basically fulfill this uh, phrase, which is the church grows with... The church grows with, and it's based out of here, Ephesians chapter 4. So point number one, the church grows with the exercising of God's gifts. The church grows as we exercise God's gifts. In verse 11, let me read that again to you. It says that, that Jesus himself gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. God gave these gifts to these men, to these people, And as they exercise those gifts, the church will grow. And the reason why I think this is an important point is because we need to learn to step into the role that God has for us. All of us do. And and I love the fact that I see so many young people. In fact, I see nothing but young people here, especially that section right there. Yes, in the back. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Nothing but young people. And we have to realize, whether we're young or on the older side or midlife or whatever, that we all have a God-given role to which we have to step into. We have to accept that role and take steps by faith and say, Lord, man, I don't understand it. Man, it seems like you're leading me this way, and I'm scared, and I don't think I could do a good job there, but I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust that you're leading me. And I'm going to be obedient to that. And so when you're at school and you have teammates, 
And maybe they express something that they're going through, and you feel that little tug and say, like, man, I wish they would go to my youth group, or I wish they knew this verse. You know, I believe that's God prompting you to say, step into that role. Step into that gap. Pray for those. When you hear somebody going through a difficult time, get in prayer. Start praying for that person. I'm, if we're children of God and the Holy Spirit lives in us, I'm sure there's got to be some of that prompting going on, not just in me, but in all of you. And God is saying, pray for that person. Don't turn a blind eye. And, and again, sometimes it's the difficult people in your life that God wants you to work with or work on or, or bless or help. So we can't turn away from that. We, we shouldn't be picky and choosy as to who we choose, you know, which roles we choose to step into and which ones we don't want to because it's uncomfortable. You know, for those of you who are, who are reading the Multiply book, isn't it challenging? Talking about making disciples and, and how it's not enough to go to church. We have to get involved in people's lives. That's what discipling means, and it's messy, and it's, it requires sacrifice, and it requires work, and it requires time. And, and boy, beloved, in our culture, that's hard. If we bought into this culture of hurry up and do everything and, and do everything for yourself, Kind of opposite of what Philippians chapter 2 talks about, right? Philippians chapter 2 we read, and it says, look out not only for your interest, but for the interest of others. That's hard. But that's what discipleship is. Coming along somebody who's struggling and saying, hey, you know, I don't have all the answers. And I don't have a ton of resources. But whatever I do have, I want to share with you to better your life. Would you let me do that? I think you'll find very few people that say, like, no, I don't want your help. You'll find some people like that. But for the most part, they're going to look at you and be so grateful to God that he would send somebody like you to their lives that, they would, that you would come alongside it and help them. I find that super challenging, exhilarating. And um, I'm telling you, as a Christian, there are no boring moments. So the exercising of God's gifts is how the church will grow, meaning God the Lord Jesus Christ has gifted everyone individually as he saw proper. And it is our job to submit to that, to humble ourselves to that and say, wow, I never saw myself as a preacher. I'll tell you right now, if, I was, if you would have met my 16, 17-year-old self and said, you know, you're going to be preaching, you're going to be standing in front of people, and you're going to be sharing God's word, and I would have probably laughed and said, like, you definitely got the wrong guy. Probably choose, like, the quietest person here, and I'm right there with you as a 15, 16, 17-year-old. And so when I see God using me this way, I feel like, this is not me. This is not me. This is God using me to do his work, and for that, I am grateful and consider myself privileged. But we have to step into that role. And my role is different from your role, so don't get stuck into like, I wish I want to, I could, I want to do what he does. I want to do what, what she does. You don't need to do what somebody else does. You need to figure out what God has for you, and then carry that on. At the church, outside of church, in your family, at work, at school, with your team, step into the role that God has for us. Like people in the Bible, beloved. Think about all these people in the Bible that stepped into roles that God had for them. Uh, and, and imagine what would have happened if they had not stepped into the roles that God put for them. Think about people like 
Let's go way back. Noah. God asking him to build an ark. And I'm not getting into details. I'll take forever. But Abraham, he was asked to leave his, his uh, dwelling place and his family. Joseph, to remain faithful and eventually being able to save the nation of Israel. Moses being chosen to lead God's people out of Egypt. And Joshua to take over Moses. These are all roles that, that God asked people to uh, step into, and they did by God's grace, and we're grateful for that. But all the judges like Gideon, after they entered the promised land, people like David, youngest in his family, least likely to be chosen for anything, becomes the second king of Israel. Nehemiah rebuilding the wall. In the New Testament, the disciples being chosen by the Lord saying, come follow me, leave everything behind, come follow me, who later become the apostles. Mary, chosen to bring through her body, bring forth the Lord Jesus Christ and stepping into that. She says, let it be done to your servant as, as, you, as you will. The Apostle Paul, our Lord Jesus Christ, we read that in Ephesians 2, and now the church, now the church. You know, the Lord said something super interesting as he was leaving to his disciples. He says, it's, it's more beneficial for you that I leave. Because as he left, he was going to send the Holy Spirit who now resides in every believer. And he says, greater works than these you will do. It's better for me to be gone. See, most of us say like, man, if Jesus was only here, he could do like miracles and he could do, you know, feed people and he could do all this stuff. And the Lord says, it's better for me that I leave. But, and his plan includes all of us to continue his work. And so part of that work is stepping into the role that God has for you, stepping into the role that God has for me, putting our eyes on him, humbling ourselves, and just doing our best to do what he wants us to do. Beloved, that's super exciting. And if you're sitting there thinking like, no, he doesn't have anything for me, then you're calling God a liar. You don't want to do that. So let's assume there's nobody thinking that. But maybe there's some of you thinking like, yeah, but you don't know how much I've messed up. And yeah, I believe it. I believe you probably messed up a lot, as all of us, all the, the rest of us have. And that's no excuse. You have to find freedom and forgiveness and redemption through Christ and the fact that we are new creations. If we've repented of our sins and we've confessed our sins, he is just and faithful to forgive us of all our sins, to cleanse us of all unrighteousness, and we can stand before him as a perfect person in Christ, clothed with Christ's righteousness. You don't have to live in shame. You don't have to live in guilt. Your mistakes don't define you. We need to be defined by how God sees us and who he says that we are. So step into the role that God has for you, beloved. Do it in faith. Romans 12, 6 says, having the gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith, and then Paul continues. But my point here is, he says, as God has given gifts to the church, he says, use them. Don't sit on them. Don't wait for a better time. I was talking to my sister yesterday, and she reminded me of somebody that I hadn't talked about or thought about in a while. And this, this man, who is now about 50 years old, yeah, 52, which is very young, very young. Okay, no, don't nobody get offended or anything. He's about 50 years old, but I remember when he was at my house when he was 16 or 17 years old, and between my oldest brother, my 
my other brother, middle brother, and then myself. Uh, I was the quiet one, so I, didn't, I don't think I actually said anything. I think it was my brother Hector who, who, who shared the gospel with this man as a 17-year-old who's now 52-ish. You know his response was? I like everything you said, but I don't think I want to make that decision right now. I got a lot of things that I want to do. And I'm eager to talk to him. I want to make it a point to meet with him and say, hey, you remember being at my house at 17 years old and saying, I got lots of things to do right now? You know, the gospel is not for me right now? Part of what I'm saying is, do it now. Do it now. Don't sit on what God has revealed to you. And I am certain that if you're a child of God, God has revealed to you certain things that he wants you to be doing for his honor and glory. And the question is, are you stepping into that role? In Matthew 25, verse 14 through 30, and we're like emphasizing point number one here. We're still on point number one. But the parable of the talents, Matthew 25, verses 14 through, um, through 30. If you want to just make a note, we don't have time to read the whole thing. But the Lord says, the kingdom of heaven is like this. And he says, this man who had lots of money has three servants, and he gives one five talents, he gives the other three talents, and he gives the other one one talent. And talent meaning uh, the amount of money. And then he says, I'm going to go away, and I'll be back. And he gives them this talent so that they could work them and do something with them. When he comes back after a while, the guy that had five talents goes up and says, Lord, you gave me five talents, and I made five more. Here you go. Now you have ten. And that Lord says, well done, faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'm going to put you in charge of a lot of things. The guy that had three or three, let's say three, I don't know, maybe it was two. Three says, comes to the same man and says, Lord, you gave me three talents. I worked it. I gave you, I gave you three more. Here you go. Now you have six. And, and the master says, well done, faithful servant. Faithfulness is the important part here, beloved, all right? Faithfulness. No matter if God's given you five talents, a million talents, or one talent, he expects faithfulness and obedience to that. So it doesn't matter what it is that you're doing as long as you're doing it for the Lord and you're faithful at it. And then the guy that had one. And there's that one. The master gives him one talent and he's scared. And he says, when the master comes back, he says, uh, well, you gave me one talent, but I was scared. You know, I've heard that you're this mean guy that collects what he hasn't sown and starts making up these things about the master. And he says, so I was afraid and I dug a hole and I hid the talent you gave me, and I sat on it, so now the one talent you gave me, now it's safe, and I want to give it back to you. He wanted to play it safe, and you know what the master tells him? He tells him, you lazy, unprofitable servant. <laughs> and then the language that the Lord used spoke about hell. He says, unprofitable, lazy servant. You should have at the very least put it in the bank and gained some interest. But you didn't. And, and there's so much to say about that. Obviously, the servant didn't even know the master. He was accusing him of being somebody that he wasn't. There wasn't a relationship. They didn't, he didn't know him. And he says, get away from me. And he sends him to a place of torment. All that to say, I believe God gives us talents, abilities, gifts. And he expects you. He requires for you to step into that role and be faithful no matter what it is and never feel like 
being a stay-at-home mom, I'm just a stay-at-home mom, raising my children in the fear of the Lord. Like, what is that? Oh, I'm just this at work, or I'm just that. Take away the just, and no matter whether God gave you five, three, one talent, he expects you to use it. He expects you not to sit on it. And beloved, I'll tell you this, we never know when the Lord's going to come back. And that could be today or tomorrow. And I don't want to hear, you lazy, unprofitable servant, you did nothing. You are a coward. Take a look at that. Parable of the talents, Matthew 25, 14 through 30. The church grows with the exercising of God's gift. God has gifted everyone individually with something specific, and he expects us to be faithful and stepping into that role and step into it in faith, but also with courage, trusting him that if he's called you to that, how are you going to know? He's going to make it happen. He's going to give you the ability, the strength, the endurance, or whatever you need to make it, make it work. That's how you're going to know it's, it's what he called you for. So don't be afraid. You just go. If you believe that's what he's calling you for, and you've talked to people around you, people are giving you the okay, then go for it. Go all out. And if it fails, crashes and burns, then maybe, maybe that wasn't it. So you go to the next one. Francis Chan, I think I shared that in my growth group. Francis Chan, uh, one of the... Uh, first uh, quotes I remember from him is saying, you know, as Christians, we shouldn't be, uh, we shouldn't fear trying something for the Lord and failing. Instead, as Christians, we should fear trying something that God doesn't want us to be involved in and succeeding at it. We don't want to get to God's presence and say like, Lord, did you see? I was the CEO of my own company. And I made this much money and I hired these many people and the Lord's going to be going like this. So, what did you do for my kingdom? Oh, nobody had time for that. I was busy, you know, making money and being happy and comfortable. Hopefully that speaks to somebody. It certainly speaks to me as I was preparing for this message. The church grows with the exercising of God's gift. The church also grows, point number two, with the equipping of the work, with the equipping for the work, sorry. So God has not only given gifts, but also gifted men. As we step into the role here in the church especially, we have a simple discipleship process. We have growth groups where we want you to plug in so that you could be equipped for the work. So part of what you're doing here on Sunday morning, listening to a message like this, being encouraged to plug into a growth group is our attempt to say, we want to help you, we want to equip you for the work. See, the gifted men in the church are not supposed to be doing all the work. Our work as leaders in the church is to equip everyone to be able to do the work. The church is going to grow when all of us do our part. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. That's why we are a Bible-believing and Bible-teaching church, because it is the living word of God that's going to do this equipping. And so we teach it. We meditate on it. We encourage you to be doers of it. 2 Timothy 2, 1 through 3 says, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You see that transmission 
This message that I've given you, teach other people so that they can teach other people so that they can teach other people and they can teach other people. And 2,000 years later, you're sitting here because somebody taught somebody who taught somebody who taught somebody. And 2,000 years later, somebody taught you or encouraged you or you're being taught right now. Isn't that amazing? So the church grows with the exercising of God's gift. It also grows with the equipping for the work. So how are you being equipped? And I would say as a church, definitely, you know, you should be mentored. You need to be in the word and being in a growth group is specifically attempting to equip ourselves for the work of the ministry. Point number three, so we can wrap things up. So the church grows with, point number three, with everyone working. Everyone working. And that it says in Ephesians 4, 15 through 16. Everyone working. There's a couple of things I want to share with you. So let me read a couple of verses, first of all. Colossians 2, 19, it says, and not holding fast to the head. So here, I know it's kind of out of context sometimes. You really, what does that mean? So Paul is talking about people that are not sub, uh, subjecting themselves to Christ as the head. He says, and not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments grows with the increase that is from God. So again, using this body analogy, Paul is saying every believer is a member of this body. And when every ligament, every part does its share, the body grows. 1 Peter 4, 10, 11 is the last verse I want to share with you. It says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. This is probably the NLT. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as through God himself we're speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do with all strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. Peter just put it perfectly well. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. And as we do that, we minister to one another, we're encouraged, we're helped, we become more healthy, and the body grows. And as this body grows, the, the congregation grows. Part of that healthy community, an outcome of that is going to be that we want people to come to church. I, I love it when people, new people come. And when I meet them and I hear a little bit about them, I immediately, my mind thinking like, oh, they should meet this person. They should meet that person. They should meet this family. And I'm, I'm proud and happy to say, I, I want you guys to bring people and, and to meet everybody that's here. We're all a little weird. I understand that. And when you come for the first time, you're kind of checking people out and thinking like, oh, that guy's weird. Well, that person, what's up with that person? You know, we, we, that's natural to us. But get to know the people at Crosspoint and see the the genuine desire to know God better, to follow him, and to be obedient to him. And, and get to know some of our issues. Get to know some of our problems. And, and be encouraged knowing that you're not the only one that's going through whatever it is that you're going through. The church grows when everybody does its share. So the main point was when every member does its part, the church grows for God's glory. 
So I want to I put it in super practical terms here at Crosspoint. All right? So I just, I just did a quick list of ministries like uh, you should know. We have preachers here at Crosspoint, right? You usually see me up here, but when I'm not here, you know, Luis Robles uh, will speak um, in the Spanish group. My father-in-law will often speak. Um, Omar Carrillo has spoken the last couple of times when I'm out. So we have preachers. We have elders. There's six of them. There are deacons, six of them, servants. We have band members, about 12 of them, English and Spanish group. We have childcare that requires about 18 people. We have an AV team that has like 100, no, I'm kidding, like, I don't know, eight, 10 people. I'm just kind of guesstimating. We have a communications team, about six people. We have welcoming people, a group, about four people. We have a prayer team, about two, four people. We have ushers, maybe four to six people. We have a setup team that gets together on Friday. There's about 12 to 16 people that do that. We tear down after the Spanish service, maybe 12, as many as 20 people do that. We have a missions team, two people do that, uh, and more people are involved. Uh, we have a women's ministry, maybe about six women do that. A men's ministry, maybe about four people there. Growth group leaders, we have about 14 of those. We have Bible Bowl leaders, about six of those. You add those up, it's over 100 people. And I'm sure I'm missing some people. What's my point? There are some people here, there's, and there's probably about you know, a little bit less than 100 people here, plus our Spanish, we get about maybe 150 people on a given Sunday, and there's like over 100 people serving. So if you heard all this list, you're thinking like, I don't do any of those, and you're thinking like, there's nothing for me to do at Crosspoint, you're kidding yourself. But I wanted to share that because it's not that we have 110 people serving necessarily, it's that we have probably like 60 people serving, and many of those people are in several of these groups trying to you know, wear different hats and take care of different stuff. I'm inviting you. I'm inviting you to get involved. I assure you that every ministry that I just mentioned here could use a humble, teachable servant of God to help in their ministry. And I want to say, too, I want to express my gratitude towards all of you that do something or do anything here at Crosspoint because it's because of you that we get the work done. It's that simple. I mean, if everybody that does these things chose to stop doing these things, then uh, nothing would get done. I mean, I suppose I could still preach, but I probably wouldn't want to because I'd be all bummed out because you guys are not pulling along with me. But I've shared with you, I'm super encouraged day in and day out, looking forward to what God is doing, looking forward to next week, looking forward to our lunch, looking forward to our anniversary, looking forward to our growth groups, looking forward to our ministry teams. I'm, I'm completely and totally encouraged, and I'm grateful for that. You know, having a baptism today, I'm super encouraged. And a lot of that encouragement comes certainly from God, but from God through you, who choose to also volunteer, serve, and step into the roles that God has placed for you here at Crosspoint. And that's just here. God wants us to be involved here in the church, build each other up, but then we also have these responsibilities outside of church, at your work, at your school, at, in your family, in your circle of influence. I'm telling you, the Christian life is anything but boring. So that's what I wanted to share with you. Church growth. When everybody does its part, the church grows. And you might be thinking, like, I don't know what to do. 
I have limited resources, we all do. I have limited time, we all do. I have limited this, we all do. I live really far. Not all of us do, but some of us do. I can assure you, if this Cross Point Christian Church is a church that God has, has for you, then I assure you with complete confidence he has something very specific for you to do right here and right now. So if you need help figuring that out, talk to one of the, the elders. That's why we're having that lunch next week. For those of you that are new, you can ask questions. Hey, so hold on. How do I do this? Where do I plug in for that? What do I... Lots to do. All right. We're going to end it right there. We're going to pray that the Lord will grant us church growth here at Cross Point for his glory. And a lot of that has to do with all of us doing a part. And be excited about that. Be excited about that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful to you once again for allowing us the opportunity to gather, the opportunity to be in your word here in Ephesians chapter 4, seeing how you have gifted us in such a unique way. And you expect us, in fact, you require for us to step into those roles. We pray for forgiveness because we don't always do. And I pray for guidance, I pray for wisdom, and I pray for your blessing here at Cross Point. That as all of my brothers and sisters here, those online, would, would listen to a message like this, that we will be prompted by your Holy Spirit to get involved into looking into what is that role that you have set aside for us that we should step into in faith. All for your honor and glory. So we thank you. We ask that you would dismiss us with your blessing. And we thank you for Michelle, who's being baptized this morning. Uh, we ask for your protection upon her, your blessing on her and her family and her friends, her circle of influence. Father, use her mightily for your honor and glory. But rejoice in seeing the work that you continue to do here at Cross Point. We pray in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen.